It's now time for our weekly look at the weather with retired National Weather Service meteorologist Hugh Johnson. Good morning, Hugh. Good morning, Hugh. We're speaking on the morning of Tuesday, January 16th, so we'll be mindful that this will rebroadcast on Wednesday morning. Um, there's a light snow currently falling outside my window, and I'm interested to discuss snow formation with you. So let's begin with what are the environmental circumstances that need to take place to create snow in just a very basic kind of terms? All right. So, you know, yeah, that's a good, good question. Uh, basically, you need, obviously, you need water, you need moisture, water vapor. You need that to be uh, condensed back into uh, snowflakes. And by the way, snowflakes are frozen water vapor, not frozen water. Uh, that would be freezing rain. So that's why they're nice, gentle crystals and not not the ice crystals coming down that bounce off you. And uh, basically you need some something to lift the snowflakes and you also need to have them form, if you want optimal snow growth, you want a temperature somewhere between minus 12 to minus 18 Celsius or zero to 10 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the sweet spot where you get your maximum snow growth. When it gets colder, the snow tends, the crystals tend to be smaller, more rod-like and they don't accumulate as much and when it's warmer, they can actually rhyme with super cool cloud drops that are actually, you can have super cool uh, drops down to minus 10 Celsius or about uh, 20 degrees Fahrenheit, where they, even though it's below freezing, they are suspended as liquid in the cloud and not ice crystals. So are you saying the colder that it gets, the smaller the snow is? To a point, uh, again, that, that sweet spot, zero to 10, but when it gets colder than that, what happens is the the, yeah, the crystals don't grow as big and, and you can't accumulate as much. You can still get snow. Now, it's never too cold to snow. That That's a myth. It can snow at, up at, at 30 below zero, but you, there is not much moisture in the atmosphere and the crystals won't be that big. So it will be hard to get a heavy snow. It's very hard to get a heavy snow when it's cold. Now, one other thing is you got to look at the whole integral of what's going on in the atmosphere, not just down on the surface, but all the way through 20, 30,000 feet on top of your head. And there is a very warm, juicy layer in there, which is what happens when we get heavy snow, the nor'easters. Then you can get plenty of moisture through that column and you can generate a lot of snow crystals in that area. And then they come down the ground, even if it is colder than optimal down the ground. So again, it's a very complicated process. And this is why, obviously, we're looking at the atmospheric temperature. Sometimes it snows when it's above the freezing point, right? So it might be uh, like 36 degrees Fahrenheit or like four degrees Celsius, right? So sometimes we do get snow when it feels like, oh, is it cold enough to freeze? Yeah, absolutely. I've seen snow at 43, uh, especially in the spring. If the air is convective, it's unstable, very convective, very cold aloft, you can generate snowflakes that come down. They don't melt fast enough, especially when the air mass is dry. If, it, if it's dry, that means you get some evaporative cooling, which keeps the flakes cooler than the surrounding environment. As opposed to if it was 100% humidity at 40 degrees, it'd be very hard to keep that as probably as snow. But yes, absolutely. In fact, our big storm in 1987, the one that brought down the whole power grid, it never got below freezing during the whole storm. And uh, we had six and a half inches of very, very heavy, wet snow. Oh, wow. And you were talking about the dryness of the atmosphere helping uh, with that. So um, how does snow differ in more humid versus drier climates? 
well, in, in more humid, you have more moisture, so you can get more heavy snow. But if your temperature is above freezing, it's harder to keep it as snow. It will be more likely to melt, especially if it's a, uh, more than 33, 34 degrees. But again, if, you, if you're looking for a big snowstorm, you want it cold, but you want to have moisture nearby or somehow in the whole forcing mechanism that gets you a lot of moisture to work with. You know, And we've got the Atlantic Ocean right not that far away and, and the Gulf Stream. And uh, you know, even the moisture from the Gulf of Mexico. So it's not hard for us to get heavy snow out further west. It is Antarctica. When you go in interior in Antarctica, it's very hard to get heavy snow. It never happens. Uh, never happens much at Barrow, Alaska, because there's again, there's not a good source of juicy, relatively warm air nearby. You'll get plenty of snow, but it won't be the heavy stuff. Oh, this is so interesting. So why is it so challenging to forecast exact accumulations of snow? As we know, we might have like uh, a local state of emergency. You know, the government is told, you know, they overreacted or they underreacted. So why is this a, diff- a challenge? Well, again, we, we discussed it. Part of it is the actual formation of the snowflake, where it's coming through the cloud and then when it ultimately landing in the ground. Uh, you have that going for you. You got to figure out how much... UPF or, or actual precipitation is going to fall. That's the first thing. And then you got to figure out the, the, the liquid to snow ratio. Now, our normal climatological liquid to snow ratio is about 13 to 1. And that's probably what we're getting today. So if we get like a tenth of an inch of liquid, we'll probably end up with um, uh, 1.3 into the snow, something like that. But again, it, again, these flakes, uh, if they go through certain layers and they get smaller or bigger, that kind of throws a monkey wrench and uh, then you get into bands of precipitation where you get heavier areas of band and lighter ones nearby. So you can get like you know, rates of snowfall rates that are much smaller or, or, or greater, not that far from each other. So you see variations in that. There's, there's just so many things that come into play. That's why we give a range like two to four, three to five, because no one's going to get the exact same amount. I've seen it in, in just a few miles. Uh, you can see a difference in, in snowfall sometimes. It's not just like 30, it's 35 someplace and 30. Yeah, we, obviously if it's higher temperature, it's going to be wetter and less is going to accumulate. But even with uniform temperatures, it's it can be very challenging to get, you don't get even amounts of accumulation. And of course you throw elevation in and that changes the whole thing too. You get more snow generally the higher elevations, even when it's, everyone's below freezing because, well, they just get more moisture and, and that kind of thing. So it is a very, very challenging process. So we're quickly running out of time, but I do have a couple more questions. One, just briefly, how has technology changed forecasting? Well, I mean, we we have, we have, we have much better models, uh, better. We can actually look at soundings better than we could ever in, in the model. The actual, what the model will come up with the, with the, with the sounding, what we're, when we're looking at the temperature and humidity and wind profile of the whole atmosphere, which helps gives us a clue what, what kind of snow we're going to have and, and and things like that. And miles can usually, a lot of times they can try to pinpoint where the mesoscale bands are going to sh- show up. Not the really small bandlets, those are almost impossible, but the, the big synoptic, um, a lot of times you have a mesoscale band in a, in a big storm, not so much today, but in, in bigger storms. And they're pretty good at that. So we have gotten better, but the, the devils are in the details. You still get areas where, I mean, you still get surprises in almost every storm, let's put it that way. <laughs> Okay, and what is a snow squall? 
So those squalls an intense convective uh, bursts of snow like we had on, on Saturday. That was impressive. Did you see that? That that was one of the most impressive ones I've seen here. We've had a couple of them like that, but it's very very cold air aloft. You have a cold front coming through, a strong upper level uh, disturbance, and you get you get basically the same thing that happens in summer. A very convective element as opposed to today's form is synoptic there's no convective in it it's, it's basically a, a stratiform snow uh, it's more widespread lift whereas an intense lift with the convection and you and you know we can get sometimes lightning and you get that snow that falls in in, in 15 minutes you can pick up an inch of snow and have white out conditions and usually it brings down wind with the two so we it's basically the same exact mechanism that gives us thunderstorms in the summer but it's giving us these snow squalls in the winter Great. And we have about one minute left. So how does the week ahead look like in weather? Cold. Uh, definitely cold than we've been used to. Uh, still watching the system Friday. I'm not impressed. We could get a little snow from it earlier. It looked like it could be a big storm. It's still not out of the question. It could blow up, but it looks like it won't be a big deal. But what will be a big deal this weekend, coldest weather of the winter so far, near zero by Saturday morning. You heard that right. Fahrenheit. Near, yes, Fahrenheit. You got it. <laughs> so this weekend is going to be the coldest weekend thus far? Thus far. But after that, guess what? We're going to return to our normal boring program. The, the uh, polar vortex packs its bags and goes back up to the poles. And uh, we're going to go back to more normal, back to Pacific air mass for the next week and, and much quieter regime. So I uh, don't see any big snowstorms in sight now. I mean, I'm barring anything happening on Friday and today which I don't think will, you know, we'll get a few inches today, but it's not a big snowstorm. All right. So we'll bundle up this weekend. Thank you so much, Hugh Johnson, for joining us and giving us that weather report. Yes. And have a great uh, week, everyone. Yep. You too. Thanks so much. Bye.